0: What is up, Fight Fans? Welcome back to another episode of the MMA Anomaly Show. No filter. I am your host, Olin, a.k.a. MMA Anomaly. And with me, as usual, is my co-host, Jive Turkey Nano. How we doing, Nano?
1: Here we go. The Jive Turkey is live, back in action on a Monday. Changed it up this week. This might be the new motion. We'll see moving forward. So great to see y'all and great way to start the week. Let's go.
0: Absolutely. We are back. We are live and we are super excited to talk with Jive. About UFC 291 and also what happened in this boxing event, folks. My goodness! Wow. Terrence Crawford versus Errol Spence. Um, I mean, just an, an absolute display of skill um, from one man, at least for sure. I, I don't want to say I told you so, folks, but I definitely told you so a little bit on last week's episode. I definitely felt like this was going to be the outcome of the fight. But before I dive into some stats and, and kind of how I generally felt about the performance. What were your thoughts on Errol Spence Jr. versus Terrence Crawford here, Nano?
1: Yeah, I thought it was uh, definitely a bit more one sided than I was anticipating. Certainly eventful, nonetheless. Uh, I will say it was hard to fully diagnose it. I need to go back and watch it again. To be honest, we had two TVs going. So we had Alex Pereira, then Jan going at it. And then we also saw Terrence Crawford and Spence going at it as well. So it was a little tough at times. You know, caught, was able to catch the knockdowns. You're watching the replays. Yeah, looking back and forth. Jan and uh, Alex had some lulls in it. So I was able to focus, you know, really in there uh, on the Terrence Crawford and, and Spence fight. And and really, I should say, you know, the, the clinic that ter- uh, Terrence, excuse me, combined their names there, ter- Terrence Crawford put on. Uh man, phenomenal showing. Uh I was actually looking at the cards here just to double check. And outside of maybe the first or third round, they did not have Spence winning anything. And that's how it felt going in there again for the for the nine rounds. He was knocked down three separate times, uh, twice in the same round. And really what it boiled down to was you know a a fighter, a warrior going out on a shield. Uh and and I feel like you know, maybe some of that experience or lack of experience showed. In Errol Spence, uh, some like Terence Crawford, who has over 40 fights, has over 30 knockouts. Uh, and again, we we knew going in there, he's special. He moves different. He can switch hands, um, and he's durable as all hell, you know. And he was able to weather the storm early. He was able to uh, establish himself, and it just felt like he was able to get in out of range a little bit better. You know, timing. The counter punches, uh, everything about him, man. It was just an accumulation of damage there from Errol Spence. And again, Warrior went out in a shield. But, man, Crawford is a dog. He's a, he's a dog, man. He earned it. That's a big big fight for boxing, uh, big for the sport, man. And hopefully he could go out and, and get himself another big fight here, maybe this year or early next year. But that was a fun one. What did you think, brother?
0: Absolutely agree, man. I, I can't agree with you more. I think that this was... A star making performance for the people that haven't heard of Terrence Crawford. A you're probably new to boxing. You're definitely gotta be new here if you don't know this guy. And B, um, if you don't know, now you know, as they say. Uh, what's up, Black Hato? Welcome to the chat. We up in this beach. Uh, so man, dude, that we're talking about the boxing matches right now, Black Hato, and my goodness, Terrence Crawford put on a magnificent performance against Errol Spence. Um, this was all Crawford. From round one to the very end of this fight, folks, it was the Bud Crawford show. In the end, Terrence Crawford was able to land 185 out of 369 total punches, meaning he landed at a 50% clip across this fight folks he went 87 out of 206 again 42 percent of his jabs landed and an unreal 98 out of 263 let me do the quick math for you carry the one uh hold the two that's 60 percent landed in power punches folks spence was down in round two and twice in round seven and in round nine the referee had seen enough and had to rush in there to save a young man folks um bud crawford Put hands on that young man from the start to the very finish. And not only was he, was he just making a, a masterclass out of this, but everything was there, folks. Everything. The showmanship in between rounds. What does he do? Not. Oh, I'm sorry. It wasn't even in between rounds. It's when he dropped his opponent. He walks over to the corner, looks over the ropes, directs his attention to the other champ that's one weight class higher than this weight class. Oh, that he just came up to himself in recent years. He looks at that guy and says, you're next. You're next. And then grabbed his dick like, let's go, brother. <laughs> Dude. Savage. Crawford, Crawford put on an absolute star-studded show. It was incredible. Like, awe-inspiring. That is definitely a boxing match. And, and again, you can you can call me a boxing hater. I am a huge boxing fan, actually, though. This is one of the few boxing matches in recent years that I will probably go back and watch quite a few more times. It was a masterclass.
1: I love that. Yeah, put boxing back on the map, man. Great uh, momentum, great excitement around the sport. And like you said, he was in his zone, man, calling out the champ above him. What up, Tico Tech,
0: a.k.a. I can only count to nine? The homie. Let's go.
1: Let's go. Yeah, great performance, great outing, great night of of, uh, boxing, great night of MMA. I called it the most violent night we've had all year uh, because it was a good one, man.
0: Yeah, I mean, we've we've all heard of, you know, the legendary silent night. Well, ladies and gentlemen, this past Saturday, it was a violent night and everybody won. Uh, well, almost everybody. Uh, it was a sad night for Dustin Poirier fans like myself.
1: Fair, But yeah. fuck,
0: it was a great <sighs> night of fights. And, you know, it's one of the reasons I love this sport. You hear me say it probably like a broken record, but this is the reason I love this sport, folks. Whether it's my favorite fighter in the world winning or my favorite fighter in the world losing, this sport has the highest of highs and the lowest of lows. That's what keeps me tuning in each and every week. So, um, that being said, uh, we, we typically like to play a little matchmaking here when it comes to Terrence Crawford and Errol Spence. I think Errol Spence jr. I, I don't want to jump on that train, but maybe he did take quite a bit of damage in that car accident. And maybe, um, he might end up having an earlier retirement than what was anticipated. I would like to see him back in there at least one more time. See what happens against somebody not named Terrence Bud Crawford. Um, but I, I do think he needs somewhat of a tuner fight before they put him back in there with a champion caliber boxer, uh, just to kind of see again where he stands. Um, and then when it comes to Terence Crawford, for me, I I think you got to let him step up and go against the man he called out in between rounds.
1: A little Jermel Charlo, is that who a it Mel is? Charlo action, baby. A little Charlo, Charlo for show. Sure. And
0: I I like I like Charlo. I like Jermel and Jermel Charlo, like both the Charlo boys. Oh yeah. They them boys, but um, boys. I think, I think Bud Crawford is that guy. I think he's um, something he's like the skill of Floyd Mayweather meets the grit and tenacity of Roy Jones Jr.
1: Wow. It's a big praise. It's a scary and, guy. I mean, he showed it, man. He showed it, right? I mean, he looked durable as hell. He looked good after and he put a beating on who, again, was the other pound for pound guy at the top of the hill with them. Made it look easy. It was dominant. So, Yeah. And he's got that swagger, man. He's fun. He's fun for the sport. They love anybody that has that praise. Walking out with Eminem. Man, that was fun. Thought he was going to be rapping a little bit more, but still was excited to see him go out there. that was different, but yeah, that was a fun one, man. That was How a about good one. the
0: fact that he uh, showed up to the arena wearing a uh, a jacket that said even the biggest fish gets caught? And then he walked out with a fisherman's net wrapped around half of his body, and then okay, he a the fish.
1: Yeah, <laughs> that Bro. was his whole mantra, huh? The whole Bro. camp cooking fish. I'm a, I'm a, yeah. I'm a, always, yeah. I'm a catch him with the hook or whatever he was saying, right? I like catch a that fish. fish with the hook. Yeah. So, man, he did exactly what he was saying he was going to do. Man, that was a fun build-up, fun fight nasty. again. Yeah, nasty. Great performance. Yeah, we know what's next for him. I don't know where Charlo's at in terms of. Um, health or you know how long I mean this is the unfortunate part in boxing a lot of times you see these negotiations take a long time that in up oh, yeah. itself may be another year or two so hopefully they can get it done hopefully they, they can get it done quick um, and they could agree to terms man that'd be a fun one yeah having Eminem walking out to lose yourself is legendary I mean yeah, we, got, we got Mystic Drew
0: that. in the chat once he walked out with him it was a wrap I can't, I mean, I can't wrap. agree more man I've been saying it was a wrap all week, but you know, no one wanted to believe me up until Saturday night.
1: <laughs> well, we found out. We found and, out. Uh,
0: yeah, you know, jumping jumping right from that into MMA, you can't so, be right all the time. Um, I will say, on. I told you guys on the on the podcast, I threw in some side bets that I didn't want to tempt anybody to to follow me into that battle with. But man, one of them ended up hitting. We cashed fifty into eight hundred on uh, betting the plus fifteen hundred odds. Of Terrence Crawford not only winning by finish, but knocking down his opponent at least 1.5 times. Sheesh. He doubled down for your boy and got it done three times. Let's Uh, go. There we go. Now we're playing with house money, folks.
1: Let's go. You know the vibes.
0: Uh, So moving into the UFC, which we were not as lucky on necessarily. (laughs) Um, Miranda Maverick, folks. She came out there and made it look extremely easy against Priscilla Cachoeira, in my opinion. Arm bar submission. Um I I don't think that we should jump her right into a title shot, but I do think she deserves a number a, a top five ranked opponent after this one. Ooh. Um I, I don't think that's out of the question.
1: And was this at a catch rate of 125? Is is that not where she's typically at? Miranda? Uh, is she at 115? I, I'm looking I at the thought, rankings here real quick. I thought
0: Miranda Maverick was typically at that weight class, but I could be wrong. No, she's a flyweight fighter. Okay. Yeah, yeah she's a flyweight fighter. Uh, I think like she's only really been beaten by Maisie Barber and Aaron Blanchfield. Uh, she's had a really, really, solid performance against you know your Shanna Youngs, your Sabina Mazos, and now your uh, as of recent your Priscilla Cocheras. And before that, of course, she had that nice uh, fight against Jasmine Jazza which that one she did lose as well, uh, but it was a grindy back-and-forth decision. So, again, I think, um, all right, maybe not top five. At least give her a top 10, though.
1: Yeah, I mean, that that is who some of her opponents that she's lost to are right there at the he- you know, cream of the crop, right there at the heap of the hill, as you want wanting to say. The heap of the uh, hill. The heap of the hill, man. They're right at the top, baby, as Chandler would like to say. They,
0: you know what they say, the cream of the crop the
1: cream is to grand. the top. <laughs> brother really there it is little wwe action you're getting everything today ladies and gentlemen um but yeah again some of the talent he's lost she's lost to macy barber aaron blanchfield again we're talking the cream of the crop here so throw her back in there someone in the top 15 if you're not gonna go straight to top 10 okay i get it because you know hey there are five lit women there that are in that number maybe you intro her somewhere in that top 15 uh or top 10 to 15 range Anybody, anybody can get it right. Miranda Maverick's a a tough uh, opponent to deal with and to prepare for. So she's gonna be a problem for a lot of those women in the division. Watch out, y'all. She's coming only 26 years old. We're gonna be hearing a lot more of her coming down the road. And I feel like she's been around for a while now. So it's exciting to see her uh, maturation in her career.
0: Absolutely agree with that. Um, The next one I feel like was definitely a bit of a back and forth battle. Oh, man, Matthew Semi, the Jedi Semmelsberger, went in there against Uros, the Dr. Medic. Um, Uros went up in weight class for this fight. He typically makes his living a weight class lower down at 155, came up to 170 for this. He looked good. Uh, he, he looked like he had a much stronger chin. He was able to take big shots from the ex-football uh, player and Matthew Semmelsberger, who hits like a truck. Um, and, I mean, Matthew actually had him in danger in the first round. He dropped him. Had him looking like he was on wobbly feet. Just wasn't able to finish the fight, though. And, uh, man, Rose ends up getting the turnaround. Literally the turnaround by doing a spinning back fist. He turned around literally. uh, And then followed it up with a couple punches. I thought it was a, a, a bit of an early stoppage, maybe. But at the same time, I just know that Matthew is able to typically battle out of those types of situations. But he was badly compromised. So... I'm not here to, to get angry at the referee and say it was an early stoppage or a bad stoppage. Would I have liked to see him let the men work a little bit longer? Absolutely, bro. I love skilled violence. Give these men a chance to work.
1: Of course. Um, but- Especially after uh Matthew had a chance to recover as well himself. Um, why not, you know, give him that little extra second? Granted, I didn't really see I saw the spinning fist, but I didn't really see it land. So maybe, you know, if you were in there, maybe he saw something a little different, or if he saw it land flush and you see him drop immediately. Maybe he already kind of knew I, I need to get in there before, you know, he takes more than a couple punches too many. Uh, so, yeah, like I said, might have been a little quick on the trigger, but I guess, hey, obviously you always know it's from a good place. And again, he did get dropped from a you know crazy spinning back fist there, whether just the shock of it or if he was really truly down and out, but. I think we you know where it was heading from there.
0: <laughs> and if and if I remember right, it didn't hit clean, but he hit him with the brunt of his forearm, so there was no padding on it either. He it was so, just a bone to face. Um,
1: mm, yeah, again, feel I can, great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it happened so quick, it, it it couldn't really tell where it hit. But yeah, I mean, and if that's the case, then oof. Yeah, that's yeah, he
0: I believe he hit him with like the, the brunt of his forearm bone, and it just went like right across the bridge of the face. So that'll and, put you again, out. It definitely didn't look like it felt good. Um, he wasn't hundred percent out though. And it looked like he was he was trying to defend um, logically and and uh, intellectually or intelligently defend himself for that matter. So I don't know. I wouldn't have I wouldn't have minded seeing the fight go on a little bit further. But that being said, uh, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, fight fans of all shapes, sizes, and ages, Uros the Doctor Medic is a welterweight now. Um, Sheesh, he's here. I, he's I don't arrived. Think he's, I don't think he's ready for a top fifteen quite yet. Um. I wouldn't mind him seeing fighting somebody like right outside the top 15, maybe like a, a a top 20, top 25 fighter in that division. It's a very stacked division. There's a lot of names outside of the top 15. Um, I'm trying to think who he'd match up really, really well with.
1: To yeah, have with a 9-1 record, definitely uh, promising and in, in, in a good spot, I would say, in his career at 30 years old, right where he needs to be. Uh, but I mean, it's tough. Like you just mentioned, I mean, stylistically, I mean, there's a lot of names. I mean, someone like a Santiago Ponzanibio or Daniel Rodriguez.
0: I was literally thinking like
1: a Ponzanibio
0: or an Alex Morono.
1: Yeah. Alex Morono, fun one. And he's, I think on the 25th on here. Um, there's a ton of guys, ton of fun fights that we can make for this Max, guy. Max
0: Griffin, I think would give him a hell of a fight.
1: I just saw. But I just
0: I don't I don't want to feed Max Griffin to another up and comer. that's
1: the thing. Yeah, yeah, that's a little. Yeah, I'd be doing him dirty.
0: Oh, you know another really good one. I think Phil Rowe would be a fun one.
1: That'd be fun. Yeah. Phil Rowe, Joaquin Buckley. That'd be another fun one.
0: Joaquin Buckley, I think, is good. And even though he's like way out of the top fifteen, he's one of those guys that's not going to accept that kind of fight.
1: Mm, He he wants. He wants
0: a a name worthy person, and he's not going to accept someone that puts him in a risk of losing. Having the right to call somebody out like
1: that. Yeah, it's
0: a good call. Yeah.
1: Um,
0: yeah, that makes it that makes it pretty tough. Um, yeah, there's a lot of good names there, dude. I think Phil Rowe, um, the one the first one you said, Santiago Penzanibio, if they want to give him someone a little bit higher on the food chain, and then maybe like a Chaos Williams or an Alex Morono, any of those four names I think stack up really, really well against him, and would be a really, really nice kind of welcoming committee to welcome in welterweight division uh, further. Speaking of welterweight division, we had Darius Flowers stepping in on short notice to come in against Jake Matthews in the next one. Big Jake Matthews fan. Um, Darius Flowers, I thought, had one of the coolest intros with uh, Bruce Buffer I've ever seen. The intensity of them locking eyes, staring each other down. He was, like, touching foreheads with Bruce when he was getting it. And, like, he's making his debut. I get it. I I would probably be losing my shit if Bruce Buffer was saying my name. Uh, more or less on TV because I'm about to fight another grown man in the cage. Dude, I got to agree with Tico Tech LLC in the chat here. Alhamdulillah, Matthews got it done, son. Uh, Dude, the guy cheated, okay? Darius Flowers ate a solid kick to the body and then pretended that it was a nut shot. And I get it. I've been hit so hard in the body that it feels like my nuts are inside of my belly button. But that just wasn't the case, bro. You didn't get hit. In in the in the nether realm, okay. You got hit clean. His toes penetrated you and possibly got you pregnant, but it was clean
1: and consensual. It,
0: it was dirty, but it was also <laughs> clean.
1: <laughs> it was nasty, but it was a good nasty. <laughs> it was a nasty nasty. Yeah, that's a good point, man. But Jake Matthews, he came out. I mean, and I give uh, you know Flowers credit for going taking the fight on short notice. Uh, known to be a heavy puncher. Seemed to kind of fight with his hands down and didn't know how strong he was going to be in the wrestling department. And I think overall, obviously ending up on the ground, getting rear naked choked. Um, but he did have his moments throughout this fight, um, you know, made it interesting for sure. Uh, but our boy, Jake Matthews, man, again, another welterweight that's nah 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 knocking on that top 15, man. He's right there. Uh, and again, a lot of the names we just mentioned, you can also <laughs> throw in the same conversation for our boy, Jake Matthews here. 28 years old. I have a better name limit. for Jake. Ooh, I'm listening. I'm
0: sorry, I'm sorry to cut you off, my guy.
1: My brother. I'm listening. I'm listening, brother. Talk to me.
0: I'm talking about good old Jackie Three Names.
1: Whoa. Jack Della Madalena. Whoa.
0: Jack Della Madalena has sneakily broken into the top 15 and has not fought anybody in the top 15.
1: Is he Walter? Or I thought he was a, a lightweight, no? He's a Walter, Walter. Oh, he is Walter. Oh, yeah, he's number 13. Ooh. I'm
0: talking about Jackie Three Names, bro.
1: Jackie 3, JDM. JDM, brother. You're right. Holy cow. And he's only 26. Jack Della Madalena. It's a fun I, one. Uh, Two big names.
0: Let me tell you, I think that'd be a really fun fight. And I think that'd be a great test for Jack Della Madalena. As a big Jack Della Madalena fan, I think uh, this would be a great way to either really build his star or build a star that you've had just kind of sitting laying in wait in Jake Matthews for many years.
1: It's a good entrance, right? I mean, you can make a case. I know we've talked about it before. Do you want to put two stars against each other when they're so young in their career? Can make for a great fight, or maybe is it a little premature? Not that they'd ever shy away from it in the UFC, but there are a lot of people in that top fifteen. There are that top, yeah, I don't know, eleven to fifteen that are interesting. I mean, hey, even the Ian Machado, Gary, maybe. Um, but you're looking at Chiesa There's no way he's going to stay there much longer. Michelle Pereda can't even make weight that guy pisses me off seeing that there you should punish him and give him a hard fight (laughs) but um yeah so i mean there are some interesting names and jake matthews i think can can give a lot of these guys a a strong run for their money um but yeah it's tough you know again it's it's we know it's always timing and uh stylistically i mean jake matthews i mean he's Obviously has some losses in his career, but he's definitely showing to be a more complete fighter nowadays. So I don't know who's going to want to answer that call.
0: That's the thing is it's uh, it's tough, right? Like, I don't know who would want to answer that call. And I don't know if, like, if I'm Jack Della Maddalena, I don't want to fight. I don't want to take that fight. Um, it doesn't make a ton of sense for him to take that fight just because, like you said, like they're building his star. You don't want to crash two stars into each other. Um, let's see what Tico Tech here said. How about Woodley getting shafted by not making his show money? Oh, sorry, he meant uh, Wonder Boy for sure. How about Wonder Boy getting shafted by not even getting given his show money, even though he made weight? That is absolute BS, bro. Like that is tomfoolery. That is every word for just ridiculousness that is in the dictionary. Insane.
1: Wow, I didn't know that.
0: He made weight. He showed up. He was there. If if like if I show up to work, I do my job. And then my coworker shows up with no pants on. Don't don't fucking screw me over because that guy forgot to put pants on. That's on him. I'm wearing pants and a belt, dog. And I did my job. Like, I don't understand that, <laughs> that at <makes> all. Sense.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's Michelle fair. showed
0: up with no pants on. <laughs> so He's still couldn't make my teammate. weight. <laughs>
1: yeah, I know. What the heck? Three pounds, man. What is going on there? Yeah, that's, that's a tough not one.
0: not a little bit, folks. If you're new to MMA, three pounds overweight is not a slight miss. Like a half pound over. That's a slight miss.
1: Two pounds. One pound, two. (laughs) Yeah. Like, okay. But three. Oof. It's tough.
0: I agree with exactly what Tico Tech just said. Financial bullying. Um, So Drew said, is it up to Wonderboy to accept the fight? Why not just take the extra 20%? So here's the thing, Drew. He thought about doing that, but he's also been on the perceiving end at least three times of fighting somebody that's missed weight. And I think, I I forget the exact statistic, but I think it's some crazy number, like 72% out of every um, MMA fight where somebody has missed weight, 72% of the time, it goes to the person that came in overweight because they're not killing themselves to cut that last two or three pounds. Like Wonderboy Thompson literally said in an interview this week, the night before, he only had three pounds, or three and a half pounds, four pounds left to lose. And it killed him to do that. That's why he ended up doing it and made the weight because that's part of his job. So he's, his whole point is if I spent the entire last 24 hours cutting that four pounds, that three and a half pounds, and he didn't, he's that much fresher than me. He's less taxed on the body. His, his organs are fucking less taxed. And also his brain is less taxed. Everything about him is coming in sharper than me. And I'm giving him an advantage for 20% of his purse. What happens if I lose now? He gets twice the paycheck, and I get 20% of it as a constellation prize. No, I still fucked myself by accepting the fight.
1: It's it fair. Like, yeah. And one not on a position him. that he needed to necessarily take this fight. It's not like you had much to gain if you were to win, which I was leaning towards anyways. But yeah, at the end of the day, it's like, yeah, you're not going to go fight someone and give yourself that competitive disadvantage. It just doesn't make sense.
0: Because the and thing that a great. lot of us as fans don't think about is the fact that if they lose this fight, like, like if I'm going in there and I'm betting on Wonder Boy, or if I'm going in there and I'm watching and like I'm a huge Wonder Boy fan, it sucks for me for like 10 minutes if Wonder Boy loses. It sucks for him for the rest of his fucking life. Because that changes the number on his win-loss record. That number on his win-loss record changes his negotiation skills on how much money he gets paid in his next fights. So it's not just this Saturday that he has to make a decision for, it's the rest of his fucking life. That's a big deal, folks. That's a really big deal.
1: We're talking about his life here. I know he's Mister Nice Guy, but hey, man, can't be Mister Pushover either. Here, he's got to you know stand up for himself, and he did what was in his best interest. He knew that. That's
0: the thing is, it's not his fault. Like if if I if he missed weight, don't pay him. If he missed weight and he accepts the fight, and his opponent doesn't, you don't pay him. But the thing is, like he's not the one that missed weight. He showed up. He did his job. He's on weight. If his opponent failed to do his part, that was under contract, by the way. They had a contractual agreement to fight at a certain weight class. His opponent failed to do that, which is why they can't force Wonderboy to take the fight. That's why they have to renegotiate it. That's the whole reason that this, this whole situation exists. Because there's a contractual obligation for these men to fight at a certain weight class, and one of them broke that contractual obligation. True. That's why they were saying negotiations might go on into the afternoon, and they did you think if they would have offered Wonderboy like, a little bit more money, he wouldn't have taken it? He might have taken it. But even so, again, that's a big decision because that loss, if it happens, stays with him for life. Not just tonight. So, I feel like that's just, I don't know, it's absolutely ridiculous uh, to, to put any kind of blame on him. Um, Moving into the next fight, though, we're not even in the fucking main card and we're talking about the main card here. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Roman Kapiloff, another win for the uh, for the Ben Askren family.
1: Sheesh. Oh, there you go. Funky. Uh,
0: I love, love, love that Chase Hooper literally was at the event, took a video of himself in the crowd, and then panned the camera to Roman Kapiloff and was like, you guys, I'm just taking a video of myself. So that way, all of you that say you've never seen me and Roman in the same room at the same time can cut it out.
1: The <laughs> Put that to rest. Literally like 10
0: minutes before I saw that video, I told Mary, I was like, dude, this guy looks like Chase Hooper. If Chase Hooper took TRT Um, (laughs) facts
1: and grew up in a different country,
0: (laughs) dude, he, he, he's a, he's a monster. Roman Kapilov is one of those guys that's willing to go through the fire and trade fire with fire. Absolutely love that. Um, yeah, I, I just, I I feel like he's one of those guys that's going to be a future star because he's willing to take shots to deal shots. And he's also just a pretty prolific striker. Typically, when we see guys come from that side of the that side of the world, you know, um, guys that come from Russia, let's just call a spade a spade. Most of the time are grapplers. It's very cool to see a Russian striker. And uh, boy, is this guy a striker? He's got 11 wins and 10 of them were knockouts. So zero submissions, by the way, folks like he is a striker. Make no mistake. Curious to hear your thoughts on this kid. And uh, man, just what you thought of that fight.
1: Yeah. I mean, it was an impressive finish for sure. Uh, Kovalev was someone I think I had in my DraftKings lineup. So was leaning that he was going to maybe be the more, uh, just well-rounded fighter. And that's exactly what he is. Yeah. I mean, he was, uh, able to blend it really well out there. Um, Claudio had his moments. He had, you know, and, um, some counters or, you know, was able to use some of that boxing to make it a little interesting. But again, the way that Roman was able to, uh, blend it all together, put him out of there with that sweet, uh, head kick. Earned himself an easy 50K in my book. Not sure if it was confirmed, but I didn't watch Dana's uh, press conference after. Um, But he earned it in my book. That was a fun, fun fight. Um, Yeah, I'm excited for what's next for him. Like you said, I mean, he's someone that, again, a lot of these these Russian guys, I mean, usually are from a wrestling background. So seeing a striker like this, even scarier. Again, I don't know who's going to be signing up to fight him anytime soon. Um, But you got to think he's now, again, knocking on the door. Uh, to, you know, be in the conversation to fight one of those guys in the top 20 for sure, right? Oh.
0: Amateur hour. My God, I was just excited to to jump back in there. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. Um, And also got a little bit distracted by the chat over here too. At Tico Tech, again, just throwing straight heat in the chat today, folks. 20% of 20K dash 20k which is 20k to show 20k to win doesn't seem worth it right so again right like you're talking about 4 so you're talking about 8k you're talking about 8k if he beats you that's how much of his money goes to you and 4k of his money goes to you so like i mean that's that's bullshit bro like i'm not taking that fight (laughs) there's just no chance
1: well, and that's the financial bullying part, right? Where someone like Wonderboy at this stage in his career doesn't need it, you know? But if we're talking a young up-and-comer or someone on their you know first or second fight, they're going to have to probably do it, right? I think that's where it is kind of uh, unfortunate that they are a little bit, not bullied, but kind of forced into a corner there where you, 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 might, you might as well take it because you're probably in the hole a few grand just getting here. You got to pay your coaches, all that. Um, so... If you don't have sponsors, if you don't have a, if you're not a prime athlete, uh, and if you ain't getting that 50 K bonus, then yeah, you're, it's going to be, you're not, if you're not, a, if you're not uh, sponsored
0: by prime, the rock or, uh, <laughs> what's, what's the other one, the fucking, uh, none of them get the monster, I guess,
1: or anything. Yeah. <laughs> any of them.
0: <laughs> but yeah, that's oh, absolutely man. true. Like if you're not getting those like side sponsor monies, which very few are even allowed to do these days, um, you're getting like 10 K and 10 K 10 to show 10 to win for 15, 15, 20, 20. Like most of these and guys you are it. not, and you need it. Like how often do we hear like, you know, I really needed this win. I walked into this fight with uh, $8 in my bank account. Like
1: far too often, man.
0: Insane, <gasps> insane. The rock literally flew out to meet a guy from Africa that fights in the UFC who literally said like a month ago when he won his fight after he won the 50 K bonus, he's like, yeah, you know, I, uh, this means a lot to me cause I only had eight K in my, uh, in my bank account or $8 in my bank account before this fight. Or, no, he didn't even win the 50K bonus. He literally won his fight. Just got, all of like, his earnings got just trash taken, for yeah. money. And then he auctioned off his shorts online, his fight kit. He made $7,000 on his fight kit. And instead of, and he's literally, mind you, the guy I'm talking about, I need to look up his name at some point so I can shout him out on the show. But the guy I'm talking about literally was sleeping in his car for his entire camp or sleeping in the gym. And what does he do with the $7,000 he raised on auctioning off his fight kit? He sends it back to his village in Africa so they can make a fucking bush water pump, so his people can drink clean water.
1: That's a real hero, right there. The Rock
0: heard his story and literally just showed up during his, uh, like, one of his gym fight interviews and surprised him and gave him like a boatload of money. Yeah, because he's just like, bro, like, you don't hear good people often enough, and like, you're a good dude who's not getting a good shake, so just wanted to help out. That's awesome. And look at Tico Tech here again in the chat. Shout out to Skinny Bets for allowing me to pay my bills this month.
1: Let's go. Go. Oh,
0: Oh, there we go. Thanks, Drew. Thanks, Mystic Drew here. Themba Garimbo. That's who it was. It was Themba Garimbo. Shout out Themba, dude. A truly great fighter and somehow an even better dude uh, by the sounds of it. Everything I've seen and heard about him. Great guy. Um, The fact that he took that money off his fight kid auctioning and, and, and instead of getting it like you imagine sleeping in a gym. Getting ready for a fight in the UFC the, on the biggest stage of the world. You're sleeping at a gym.
1: Just in general. No, I can imagine that, brother. And then instead That's of tough.
0: instead of taking the money you just got from your your fame shorts of your debut, and getting yourself a better place to sleep tonight, like treating yourself like a king, even for just a fucking day, you send it back to do some more good. Like, shout out to that guy, man. Shout out to Thimba Greenbow. Make sure you follow that guy on all social media outlets because he's gonna be a future star.
1: Beast. Yeah, he's a real hero. Real hero. Let's go.
0: So, <clears throat> moving right on down the line. Man, we're not going to talk about this next fight a whole lot. CJ Vergara versus Vinicius uh, Salvador. I thought it looked like a sparring match from Vinicius Salvador. He was not throwing hard shots at all throughout the entire fight. His opponent, though, CJ Vergara, took about a round to warm up. But once he warmed up, I thought he looked really nice in there. He, um, he was doing some weird, like, Matrix stuff. Almost reminded me of Nick Diaz when he fought against Anderson Silva. he just, like, stand there and let Anderson circle all the way around him. Um, but it was cool. He'd, like, dodge and then, like, stare at him all crazy like he's fucking Neo in the Matrix. It, it wasn't super effective, but it was very fun to watch. Uh, yeah. So, that being said, I will be tuning in to CJ Vergara's next fight as if uh, that was an option.
1: <laughs> there we go. Yeah, uh, definitely earned some extra style points there. Uh, Unanimous decision, clearly won. Uh, Like you said, was just getting the better of the exchanges. Uh, Looked to be hurting his opponent more. And um, yeah, earned some style points. Had a little fun doing it. So definitely earned a fan in us here at the MMA Anomaly. Let's go.
0: Um, So we we don't need to play matchmaker for that one. I think he's kind of low down. It was also a catchweight fight at 129 because Vinicius uh, missed weight. A lot of that going around lately folks. Uh hopefully CJ enjoyed the extra 4K for that. Um and moving into the next one we had the better Bonfim brother as I like to say, Gabriel Bonfim coming Ooh. in against Trevin Giles who I I still am under a suspicion that he changed his nickname to the problem. I don't remember his nickname ever being the problem child. The, oh, I just got it. The problem Giles. It's like the problem <laughs> child. Dude. There it is. Oh, that has there to be it new. Is. That has to be new. He used to be Kevin or Trevin. Kevin Trevin Five Star Giles used to be his name for sure, but as we saw on Saturday night, maybe that's why he uh, changed his nickname because he didn't come in looking like five stars. He came in looking like he had a problem to deal with, and that problem was Gabriel Bonfim, who submitted him within just a minute and thirteen seconds with a beautiful little guillotine choke. Um, What's what's there to say? Gabriel looked perfect in there.
1: He looks like a beast. He looks like a dog, right? I mean, the both brothers uh, are definitely uh, going to be around for a while. They're both young, uh, both you know, green in their career. But man, Gabriel spent uh, wasted no time, I should say, uh, getting after him. Hurt him with some strikes early on. I was just, uh, surprised to see how much just violence, how much emphasis he had behind his punches. Man, I was like, okay, this guy for a submission guy, he's throwing some some heavy bombs. I like it. This guy's fired up, man. And, uh, you know, must have been feeding off that energy in the crowd and took and ran with it, man. Great performance, great uh, victory there for him. And, again, another talented welterweight that should be right there knocking on the door for, uh, I mean, there's a lot of talent that in this division. Michael Mar- Marais, Um There's so many names, honestly, that we can throw him in there with, and he's going to be a, a problem for a lot of these guys, man.
0: Yeah. And I think that's the worst thing about him is the fact that he matches up pretty well against most of the people in the division. Um, and he seems and he's like only getting a, better. Yeah. He's, he's young, he's getting better and he's very well-rounded in his career. Like the guy is able to submit you pretty much anywhere the fight goes. He has 12 submissions out of 15 fights or rather 15 wins. Yeah. 15 fights. He, he's fucking undefeated. Uh, right. but 12 out of 15 wins come by way of submission. The other three come by way of KO slash TKO I mean, the only thing that I think this guy actually doesn't do well is anything involving the judges, because he doesn't fucking like them. He doesn't fucking need them. Uh, The guy, like, he's a finisher, and you know Dana loves that, so Dana's going to want to pole vault him right on up the fucking listings. He's had three fights in the UFC, if you count his fight against Trey Waters on Dana White's contender series all the way back in 2022. I know long time ago, long, long time ago, back in September. I mean, again... He just made his freaking Dana White Contender Series debut in September of 2022, folks. Just to put it into perspective, we are still just now in 2023, and he's already had two fights and two wins. And he's, by the way, spent less than two full minutes inside of the fucking octagon
1: in a year of fighting. That's crazy. In the UFC, or I'm sorry,
0: two two minutes and two seconds. I fucking apologize. But come on,
1: that's a year nuts. of fighting.
0: He's had two fights in the UFC, and he spent. Barely two minutes inside the cage. That's someone that doesn't mind getting paid 20 and 20 because he gets paid by the fucking minute, not by the hour. This man's getting it done.
1: <laughs> yeah, man. He is. He's, he's getting paid by the second out here, this guy, man. Well, that's crazy. I mean, and yeah, again, it, it, there's something to show for it, right? He, he'll, he'll pepper you with a couple shots, then he gets you to the ground, and you know what's happening there. It's crazy. It's been a long time since we've seen a real uh, dominant Brazilian uh, jujitsu artist like this. So. Excited, and he's only getting better. Like I said, sky's the limit, man. A lot of names you could throw him at, though Adam him, I should say. Um he didn't take a lot of damage, putting him back in the ASAP, right? He's been active. That's how you get uh better in the sport while you're young. You might as well take advantage of that, climb the rankings, earn the, you know, uh, those stripes, get those skeletons in your closet, and then uh yeah, man, off to the races.
0: I wouldn't mind them uh, you know, really jumping him up the ladder quickly and Goddamn, I hate to say this out loud, even, but I just—I am only saying it out loud, folks, because I know that this man is game and he's not afraid to, to say yes to up and coming contenders. I'd like to see him tested against the Neil Magny. Um, Neil Magny's on the you know on the opposite trajectory in the top fifteen. He's coming downhill. Um, he's, he's down to twenty eight and ten in his record now. He did just get that nice win over Philip Rowe recently, but again he as of recently he's been putting together a lot more decision wins and i'd like to see what happens with someone that's a game grindy windy uh kind of decision maker over somebody like that that's not really ever seen a, a judges decision or really a second round in most cases for his fights like to see what happens does he get gassed against someone that's willing to go in there and bang with him uh because right now i don't think that that's the case this man gets it done uh gabriel bonfim the best thing about him is not only his brazilian jiu-jitsu but the fact that He's like an old-school shoot-the-box fighter where like he's got the BJJ, but he's also not afraid to get cracked in the jaw if it means that he's getting in range to land one better.
1: Yeah. now That's a good point, man. Um, and Neil Magny would be a huge test. That's a big jump. I don't know if they'll throw him straight in there with somebody in the top 15, 12 for that matter. Uh, and, I mean, if you're Neil, he you don't benefit a lot trying to you know beat this young, up-and-coming Fair. stud. Um, but... I I do think that is a good matchup. If I'm gonna throw another name out there, someone that's coming off a win, because I'm trying to look here, anybody that's in this range, you know, top 25, top to top 15, um, who's coming off a win as well, who makes sense, who doesn't have our already a dance partner coming up. Um, We did see this guy recently, man. He looked okay, Um, but we got our boy Rude Boy Randy Brown. Maybe somebody's coming up. You were gonna say
0: Randy Brown, dude.
1: (laughs) That's a fun one, man. He's a tough puzzle. Um I wouldn't mind. But he's got that. those long limbs, and man, I mean, Gabriel could grab an arm and yank it off. So that'd be a fun matchup.
0: I think if we want to see a striker versus grappler matchup, give him Root Boy. That's a really, really fun match. And that's also a, a a well enough name to get him, uh kind of building on that star power. If you want to see a classic grappler versus grappler match and see how he fares against some of the better grappling uh pedigree fighters here in the UFC, why don't we uh get him lined up with a gunny? Gunnar Nelson. You
1: know, oh, coming yep. off of
0: two back to back wins here. The guy has uh a, a win over Takashi Sato and then a, a submission win over Brian Barbarena. I think I think that, that would be a lot of fun, honestly. Um Yeah, man, I, I think, I think that one I think that would be a lot of fun if we wanted to see a grappler versus grappler matchup, and I think Gunny'd be game to take it because he's not in the top 15. He's right outside the top 20 for that matter. One rank lower than Randy Brown, according to the People's MMA's rankings. Um, That being said, I do feel like they match up really well against each other. One guy's a little bit more rangy and gunny, and it would also prove a couple of tests for for a Gabriel Bonfim in how does he get in when somebody is rangy and kind of clever and technical with their grappling abilities as well. Yeah, it's a good call. I Um, like it. So moving into the main card folks, we've already made it. Um, and boy, did it start off with a freaking bang. Kevin big mouth Holland coming in there against Michael Chiesa. You know, I said some things were going to happen. I didn't know that it was going to be like this. Um, I did say that I thought there was a chance Kevin Holland comes in here and big brothers him, uh, that he could end up being very large for him because he's big for the weight class in general. We've seen him fight at 185 and win fights fairly easily. Um, And the only time he actually gets wrestle fucked, for lack of better words, is in 185 when guys are much bigger and stronger than him. And we're not talking about a 185er here. We are, however, talking about what the Blackhado just said. Travis Luter BJJ, baby. He's a Travis Luter BJJ black belt. And he went out there and he got the Darce choke, folks. He made it look beautiful. He made it look just perfect. Um... Honestly, a minute or one round in, two minutes and 39 seconds into the whole fight. um, He looked really good. He was landing at range. He seemed like he was getting the better of Kiesa everywhere the fight goes. And honestly, it's exactly what Turtle just said in the chat here. Kevin was money, baby. People keep sleeping on his ground game. I will never sleep on Kevin's ground game, Turtle. The thing here with me is this I think he's a very great grappler or no actually no he's very good at brazilian jiu-jitsu but his grappling and chain wrestling could use work and now that he has a dedicated grappling coach i think that those are two very big holes that we are going to see just fucking filled with that liquid cement brother there's not going to be a hole there anymore not very soon um curious to hear your thoughts on that performance nano what did you think of the fight kind of building up and how it played out
1: Man, the buildup was fun. I think uh, leading up to it, watching the Embedded, watching uh, just some of the, the uh, fight conference, some of the exchanges. Honestly, I was starting to get a little worried with my pick here of going with Kevin Holland because I'm looking at kids and I'm like, man, he looks big, looks strong, looks focused. Kind of big brother in them, came them the old Pat, you know, talking about his ring and all this stuff, you know. Uh, Kevin Holland not looking looking at him in the eyes. I thought was interesting, a little uh, mind game tactic there. Um, and then as soon as the fight started, man, it was kind of how I thought. Kieza circling around, trying to get to his spots, avoid Kevin's heavy punches. Because when he hits you, man, he starts throwing him. It's starts throwing that leather. It's it's bad news bears for you. Uh, and that's kind of how I looked for uh, Chiesa. I think he did was able to stuff that takedown. Um, and like Dico Te- Tech said, man, he, he was focused. Stuff to take down. I think that gained a lot of confidence and momentum in the fight, and that darshok was freaking sweet. I don't think anybody. We should have took uh, some odds on that. The su- Kevin Holland for a submission did not see that coming. Uh, what a fight! What a performance for our boy Big Mouth man. Big statement for Big Mouth
0: man. I uh, I literally called that we might see a choke during this card, which we don't see a ton of chokes in the UFC. Actually, you know, get, get pulled, especially not that beautifully. I didn't think it was gonna be that guy, and I didn't think he was like I. I I could have seen it being in that fight, but I just didn't think it'd be Kevin Holland pulling it on fucking Kiesa.
1: Like exactly that. that If anything, maybe the other way around. Yeah, nuts. Absolutely nutty. But a great performance, man. And he joked about going back up to one eighty five. Maybe he just doesn't want to do the weight cut. Maybe it's too tough for him. Maybe he was saying it jokingly. Um, He clearly can make both weights, but you know Dana usually likes uh, his fighters to choose one. Uh, Pick a lane. Yep. Especially if you're going to be ranked. Like, let's be fair to everyone else. If you're going to stick somewhere. So I'm curious go, if he's going right to stick here, around.
0: Like, he should stick at 170. He's, when he goes up to 185, I, I feel like this is the best chance for us to see his grappling improve and a lot of other things improve because when he's at 170, he's not having to give up strength and muscle and size to these bigger guys. Because if I'm as good of a grappler as you, but you're stronger than me and you're, you're well-versed in the realm of grappling, well, now all of a sudden, maybe you're better grappler than me tonight because you're stronger than me and you're bigger than me and you're fucking big brothering me, which is literally what we saw Kevin go in there and do to Chiesa. Like, folks, we're not talking about a crazy fight where he landed like 100 strikes, but as you hear Nano talking about him, Nano literally said, like, when he throws, he starts throwing leather. The guy only threw 19 total strikes from fucking pillar to post, from start to finish. That's all he threw across the entire fight, but he landed 12 of them. Oh, and nine of those 12 were significant. Oh, and he stuffed five out of five fucking takedowns against Chiesa, which a lot easier said than done. The guy has really solid entries. And the fact that Kevin was able to actually not dodge those, but negate them in such a a masterful way, this is truly the sign of a Kevin Holland that could be a contender of tomorrow, especially if he continues to sharpen that iron the way he has. Turtle here in the chat, which I think is uh, the homie Andrew, Kevin watched tape. You saw that uppercut was totally making Kesa uncomfortable. He was very well prepared for this fight. I couldn't agree more. That uppercut not only was hurting and uh, making Kiesa very uncomfortable, but it was keeping him very honest. If I see somebody pumping that uppercut, even if they're feigning it and testing with it and just kind of poking it in my, in my realm and my guard, um, I'm going to think a lot more before I shoot for a double leg or even a single leg for that matter, I'm going to start trying to get clever with my entries and takedowns because I don't want to eat those hands coming in. And I think that's where you saw the hesitation come in for Kiesa in that fight. And that's something that played into the fact that he went 0 for 5 on takedown attempts against Kevin Holland. Kevin Holland was doing everything right in that
1: fight. Yeah, perfect execution. Great game plan, smart, Uh, like he kind of mentioned during the fight or leading up to it. Hey, I'm learning. Hey, I'm growing. Hey, I'm practicing my wrestling. Hired someone full time. Uh, that's exactly what you need to do, man. You know, you gotta be honest with yourself and uh, you know, work on those gaps, and that's exactly what he's been doing. And hey, if he ends <laughs> up taking uh Keza's spot there at 12, some really exciting fights for him. And and really, I mean, not nobody that's too well, actually there are some names up there that as you get towards the top are pretty scary. Um and obviously I wouldn't want to see
0: him fight a Kamz out or a Shovkat.
1: Well, I mean, not a comes up. You know, saw that one, even though it was a, a weird fiasco leading up to it. Um, but I do yeah. want to see that rematch someday. I just don't
0: want that any, any time this year or next year. No,
1: no. But Hey, I mean, a Sean Brady, a Joff Neal, Vince, uh, Vicente Luque, even Magni. I mean, all would be fun fights against Kevin Holland.
0: I'm not bad at any of those. I honestly think Sean Brady or, or Jeff Neal would probably be a really, really fun fight for him. Um, assuming Ian Gary goes out there and is able to get it done against his upcoming opponent here. I don't think Ian Gary versus big mouth would be a bad fight for either gentleman. I think, oh,
1: that'd be fun.
0: The buildup for that one would just be a great time, dude. I would, I would definitely be here for it. And you know, like if, 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 uh, if nobody can beat this fucking Ian Gary guy, you gotta call
1: big mouth. <laughs> Bring in the big guns or the big mouth. <laughs>
0: Uh, here we go. The Blackhado said, the fact he hadn't fought in almost two years, he looked like a fighter who hasn't fought in two years.
1: Um, I that mean, being sure, Michael Kiesa, yeah, I agree.
0: Yeah, that's that's absolutely true. And the fact that he had taken two years off, there's reasons for that, right? He was having back issues. He actually talked candidly to Daniel Cormier on whether or not he should take his doctor's um, recommendations and get the back surgeries. And Daniel told him straight up, don't do it. Because he did it before the, the second Stipe fight. And... He said that's why he lost a lot of those fights that he lost, right? Like, or it was before that one. Um, I think he did it right after the first Stipe fights when he got the back surgery. But he was—he said he wasn't able to train again. He wasn't able to shoot takedowns and double legs like he used to. So, and back surgeries are a scary thing. You know, like a lot of times, more often than not, when you talk to people that have had those types of surgeries, they will be the first to tell you that when you come in, it's, it's like a jackhammer going into the ground, bro. Like once that jackhammer is pulled up out of the pavement, the Earth is kind of never the same again. It's always going to be a little bit different, even if you repave and re pour that concrete. It's going to be a little different, brother.
1: I feel that man. Once it once you get, once you uh, crack it, crack the uh, canvas there, man. There's no going back. That makes sense.
0: Absolutely. You know, Lincoln Park said, "Once the paper's crumbled up, it can't be perfect again."
1: There we go. Facts. Shout out Lincoln Park legends.
0: With the throwback. That's um, a throwback. Let's see what Drew Toledo said here. Working in PT never good for any career. If you need back or neck surgeries, never the same. Absolutely. Um, and I mean, absolutely a trustworthy source. Drew's been in that field for some time. Um, the Black Auto is just kind of echoing his sentiment there, saying back surgery are essentially game enders. 100% agree with that. Now, again, that being said, Kevin Holland, I think there's a lot of options for him in welterweight. Um, I'm not even going to play matchmaker for him at 185 because I, I just think that's a stupid fucking idea. <laughs>
1: When, yeah, every time you
0: go up there, you get you get wrestle fucked into oblivion, and every time you come down, you win in in like crazy fashion. You just need to cut the weight, bro. Like enjoy a really good career, and then after you're champion for a few years, go enjoy all the burritos and sex <laughs> and whatever you want to do. Um, yeah. Yep. But until then, you know, stay your stay your your happy ass at 170, and we'll go ahead and jump into talking about Bobby King Green coming in against Tony Ferguson. I've got thoughts on this fight. This was this was a tough one. Um should we do a shot to the Fallen Warrior Tony Ferguson here?
1: Yeah, probably should, man. I mean it feels right. It just feels right. Insert the uh, Rocky GIF. Throw the damn towel.
0: <laughs> Throw the damn towel. <laughs>
1: Yeah, what a performance. I mean, Bobby Green, and, and again, the odds and everything were going to tell you that was probably what was going to happen. But man, just salut. Cheers RP Tony. To, to Tony and the other legends. Father Time is undefeated.
0: As Eric said here, goats come and go, boats float. He's a boat. Tony's a boat. He's a boat. One of the one of the best of all time, folks. He's a boat. He's not the greatest of all time, but he, he's one of the best of all time. He's a boat.
1: He's a boat. Bo- and I don't know boat. about this five fights in the championship. I think it should be uh, just no more fights. And frankly, he just looked uh, hesitant. Looked like uh, trigger shy. Just couldn't get it going. He did
0: look trigger shy. He looked very, very trigger shy. He looked hesitant. He was overthinking in there. And I think this is the first time that I've ever seen Tony think inside of the octagon. And one of the greatest things that made him about the original fights that he had, um, mainly uh, I think about the fights with your Donald Cowboy Cerrone's of the world. Um, Shout out to the Hall of Fame shirt. And also your Anthony Pettis of the world. Like, um, Groovy Lando Venata was another really good example of it Where he'd be in a fight He'd be losing the fight And then he would stop thinking and start throwing And just go into a flow state Almost the way that Adesanya does when he's in a real firefight um, yeah. Having that innate ability to flow in there Is incredible And just an asset It's a superpower And I feel like now he's having to think That superpower is gone That's That's literally everything that made Tony Ferguson A special being in there and it just might be time to hang him up as a result.
1: Yeah, I agree at this stage in his career, at this age, the five, six losses in a row now, and the performances he's had, I'm sure Dana White's in there and thinking, thinking Hey, we love Tony, but we might need to make the decision uh, for him.
0: Okay. Let's see here. We got we got to, we got the chat blowing up right now. So let's see here. Um, Tico tech LLC, the eye poke certainly didn't help. I actually, that's one of the things I wanted to talk about here. So, um, going to jump back here. Jump back to Bobby Green's last fight. It was against a young man named Jared Flash Gordon. Jared Gordon was Flash winning that fight. Um, so Jared Gordon was winning that fight. And then um, if I remember correctly, Bobby Green hit him with a nasty nut shot.
1: Uh, and I think the headbutt was what canceled it, right? And then a
0: headbutt. Yeah. So hit him with a nut shot. Hit him with a headshot. The headshot er, or the headbutt is what canceled it. This fight... Going to Drew's chat here, I disagree. Tony was moving forward and pressuring the whole time. He's just slow. And yes, the eye poke didn't help. Gonna agree with Drew here and saying that he was moving forward and he was pressuring the whole time. I did not say he was not moving forward or pressuring. He was hesitant compared to the way he used to fight, though. Before, when he was pressuring and moving forward, he'd have his hands out doing the John Jones kind of like crazy blades and shades shit, you know, just slicing people up with those elbows. He wasn't doing that this fight. He was not using using the elbows whenever he was entering. His entries just seemed sloppy in comparison to the way they used to look. Um, maybe that's just him aging. Maybe that's the fact that his knees are probably fucking gone with the years of wrestling and everything else that he does with them. Um yes, he did look slower, but I also thought that he was winning that fight. I thought he had actually done enough to win that first round. He dropped his opponent. And when did that eye poke come? Let me actually just hold on, give me just a sec. Bear with me, listeners and viewers. Just really, really trying to recall when that eye poke happened. Oh, that's right. It happened within 25 seconds of uh, Bobby Green getting dropped. Pretty fucking interesting, huh? When did the headbutt happen? Oh, it happened. Um, just God, I want to say about 35 or so seconds after he got rocked in the Jared Gordon fight. I'm not saying that Bobby Green did these things maliciously or on purpose. They did not seem like they were malicious or on purpose. But I also don't like the the fact that there's even a thought for a narrative to exist of it. And the fact that there's things like this that are happening again and again—it's not a good look.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I don't think you reward him that much for this fight. Obviously, it's a W for him; he's back in the win column. But it's not like he's sitting here trying to go on a title run, in my opinion. You know, you give him a good fight, a big name. He should
0: have thrown sand. <laughs> Bro, he did that. He did that in the fight against, uh, fuck, who was he fighting? Which it Was a Gagey? He did that in the Justin Gagey fight. He literally squatted down, pretended to grab sand off the octagon floor, and was like,
1: oh, my God. Did he fight Gagey? I don't think he fought him. Tony Ferguson? Oh, Tony. Tony, Tony. Sorry, sorry, sorry.
0: You thought Bobby Green was throwing imaginary sand? <laughs> oh, my God. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't know what the fuck is happening with this guy
1: the shots got to me, but yeah, well, I mean, anybody throwing sand—that is fair. I should have known El Kukui would be the one throwing sand. Jesus, no, he literally—he
0: was—he was literally throwing sand. I'm gonna have to find a clip of that uh, and show you after the episode because the UFC will fucking cancel me if I put a clip of it in here.
1: Yeah, let's not, let's not do it.
0: <laughs> um, Yeah, Go no, he definitely up, should y'all. have thrown sand. That was the funniest shit I've ever seen. But I, you know, the fan in me wants to sit here and say still looked pretty good you know uh just like when i watched that, that michael chandler fight i was like fuck dude he was crushing in that first round the blades were there he was slicing him up with the elbows he looked fucking cerebral from the bat from the bottom and he was winning the fight up until he got head kicked into a different universe um he was winning this fight up until he got eye poked uh but you know unfortunately uh that's that's a, a big part of the game that happens pretty much fucking every weekend uh with the way the gloves are shaped and it sucks but it sad but true uh i just don't know if tony is ever going to be a contender again and that's why i'm saying it might be time to hang him up not because i think he's slow or not pressuring forward or or fighting in a tony way but just what fights are there for him all the other legends are retiring for the same reasons
1: yeah yeah it's a short list there's not a lot of people i frankly as a fan i don't think i'd want to see it after that kind of performance from tony he just it's not the same, you know. You don't want to see Michael Jordan in a Wizards uniform. You don't want to see uh, Shaq in a Celtics uniform, or and you Suns don't uniform. want to see
0: Tony in a Bellator shirt. Am I right?
1: Or bare knuckle? Yeah, I don't want to see any more Tony. I love you, Tony, but let's just let's just like keep the good times in our head. I said bare
0: when I literally got nauseous. <clears throat> I was like, oh god, no, not uh, not Tony.
1: <laughs> he, I mean, dude, he is
0: He'd be the first bare knuckle combatant to accidentally throw a fucking elbow.
1: <laughs> or throw sand. He's
0: just like, sand. <laughs>
1: <Elbows>. <laughs> elbow slice their eye out. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think he's I think he's done, man. I, I really don't want to see him in the UFC anymore. Love him, but nah. Well, hey, that's fair. Michael
0: Jordan averaged 20 points per game in that Washington uniform with one healthy knee, says Drew
1: Toledo. The go is the go. That is fair. And uh, Tony's just a boat. So Dude, he's not doing see, that. Dude, see,
0: look. Tico knows what the fuck. He's picking up what I'm putting down. Sand into the elbow wombo combo for the DQ win. Well, the win would be for the other guy. But, you know, Tony would win the hearts and of, well, you know,
1: millions. It would, it'd be fun. <laughs> yeah, you'd go out with a bang. <laughs> Tony Ferguson
0: versus Jake Paul. Bare knuckle boxing. Make it happen.
1: Do it. Send it. I'm
0: kidding. Please don't fucking do that. God. <laughs> Part of me died saying that out loud. Yeah. Um, And yeah, for Bobby green, I don't, I don't, I don't care to make matchmaker for him because I don't feel like that did anything for him. As far as the lightweight division goes, give him someone outside of the top 15. Um, if that's how he's able to put away an aging Tony Ferguson, granted, it was impressive that he got the sub. Um, come on. Like, I just, I I don't know that he's someone that's going to be eligible for a belt anytime soon either. Uh, also, no matter Eric's prediction here. Tony hits the Rolling Thunder in bare knuckle. That'd be sick. Yeah, just does a front flick, fucking Rolling Thunder ninja kick. You. Yeah. Um, speaking of some, you know, Rolling Thunder and ninja shit, Derek Lewis, Mister Hot Balls himself. Man, he came into that octagon like his feet were on fire, not his balls, man. Uh, he was running across that octagon floor. He'd pull the he pulled a fucking Jorge He was
1: blazing. He did pull a Jorge with all that's fantastic, man. What a freaking performance! Now, I don't think anybody saw that coming. Oh, I man. think he was uh, just knowing damn well. I'm gonna leave it all out here. This altitude is not gonna do me well. And frankly, we all knew his balls and his ding was hot, so he was getting him out of there quick. I'm surprised it didn't even look like it landed that well, but it maybe did. he. It, it did. did
0: on the third camera angle. I literally, I said the same thing when they they kept showing the same, uh, the front facing camera angle. Right. And it looked like it missed or grazed. And I was like, Dude, why did he fall down like that? Look, like it didn't even hit. And then they showed the third camera angle and you literally see it just connect right underneath the chin. Oh shit. And you just see the bottom of his chin scrunch up in the slow mo. And I'm like, Oh, that hit hard.
1: Yeah. Like the, the
0: shape of that young man's chin changed Uh, for a split second. That's when you know it, it, it hit pretty fucking hard. Um, And then he, of course, as you saw, if you watched, he hit the mat like a sack of potatoes. He ate some Donkey Kong style hammer fists that even the DK family would have been proud of. Quite a few. uh, My God, man.
1: (laughs) Dude, like Like Drew said in the chat, too, hit every celebration in the book. The signature, taking the shorts off, the double X cross cross chop, and a shmoney dance. It's a lot. It was pretty good. There's a good picture of him with his shorts in the middle of the ground and then him doing that uh, thrust, the double X crutch. Folks, uh, we can't dude. show clips of the crotch actual crotch UFC chop.
0: fights anymore without getting in trouble, so you better damn well expect us to do really bad impersonations of this stuff. <laughs> Moving forward. Um, yeah, he did everything, man. Like, the balls is hot, the DX crotch chop, fucking, as Tico Tech said, that's putting it perfectly. He was spamming emotes. Um, <laughs> he was hyped. And as Drew said, he'd spam emotes too. Fuck, I think we all would. Uh, and then I think even, the only thing better than spamming the emotes was just letting his wife know, like, you know what the fuck's up. I'm coming home to bust them guts up. Jeez,
1: she Jeez. didn't say that. Let the only note. person
0: that was uh, more excited about Derek's win was Derek's wife. Wait
1: for him at home. Um,
0: the,
1: the Black Beast.
0: She also uh, was hot, apparently. Um, <laughs> oh. So yeah, no, for real though, like, that was an incredible performance. I love that afterwards he was asked, like, is that something that you practice a lot? Because, like, we've never really seen you throw a flying knee. Uh, and he's all, man, I've been practicing that in camp forever. About time one of those motherfuckers landed. That was funny as fuck. Like, and that's usually how it is. Like, you practice some shit in camp for, like, 10 years, and you never think about throwing it inside the, the actual fight. And then when you finally do, you're like, and he's dead. Amazing. <laughs> Where Ronda Rousey's fine ass at. Um, Jeez. Shout out Derek Lewis, man. Absolutely incredible. Like, there's, there's just, there's there's not a whole lot to say. I mean, what can you say about a fight when the entirety of the fight was fucking 33 seconds? We have now already spent longer talking about the fight and post-fight celebration than the entirety of the fight itself has lasted. Facts. um So that being said, Derek Lewis, the only thing more crazy than that finish and the emotes was the fact that he basically walked off with the mic drop moment of saying, I'm a free agent. So playing matchmaker for him is fun tonight because we don't have to keep him in the UFC. Uh-huh. Now, I know, I know, I know, I know, and hear me out on this. We saw one of the boringest fights of all time in him versus Francis Ngannou. That was a very weird, injury-ridden version of him, and that was also a version of Francis Ngannou that was very gun-shy after losing to Stipe. Do we run it back in PFL, folks?
1: Man, You've got to think UFC is not paying Derek
0: it. Lewis $2 million a fight.
1: Is he going to wait for uh, Francis to box? Uh, yeah, and, Fury.
0: And just to respond to Tico Tech LLC here in the chat, he said he wants to stay in the UFC. That's fair. If um, if I'm looking at another company that's offering to pay me three times as much money, but I haven't signed the contract yet, and I'm still under contract with Company A that's paying me one million versus the three million. I'm going to say I fucking love Company A. Company A is the shit. If Company A was a cereal, I'd be going back to the pantry for a second bowl of that shit. Oh, bowl. Um, but let me tell you, as soon as I'm cut loose from Company A, that cereal was disgusting. I never liked it. it was fucking, <laughs> it's just full of carbs and sugar, and it's fucking gross. But let me tell you about this new cereal, Company B. Um... <laughs> that's that's likely the situation and that's why he said he wanted to stay in the UFC. Um, Dana White might pay him despite Francis, but let's be completely honest here. Derek Lewis is not someone who's staying in the UFC that they can leverage over his head. Like, oh, well, he'll stay with us because he wants to be fighting in the best organization against the best opponents. So that way he can be known as the best. No, Derek Lewis wants to make a lot of money. So if PFL says, hey, we'll never give you a title shot, We'll pay $2 million per fight to fight twice on our uh, pay-per-view series. Well, that's $4 million more than he will make in the fucking UFC in the next two years. And he's not fighting for a belt there either. True. So what's the loss?
1: Not much of one. Definitely worth the conversation, right? It'd be smart to look into it. And again, this is if he still wants to continue fighting, right? I mean, does he think at 38 years old, is he trying to go back for a title run or like we're talking about here, is there maybe one or two prize fights that you're eyeing for him? Like That's a Derek thing. or like a, a Nganu or maybe a do boxing. I don't know that. I don't know. If that really suits him. It's probably, yeah, PFL or bare knuckle. I could see him bare getting knuckle. in there and scrapping or power slap. i fun him to be the first uh, UFC fighter to go try uh, cross over there.
0: <coughs> no, we don't. No, no. We don't. Do
1: that. <laughs> Dana White might poach him.
0: I could see Dana poaching him, but fuck, man. Can't do it. We cannot send this young man to freaking power slap, bro. I just can't do it. What up, Z? <laughs> Welcome to the chat.
1: Live what jive. Up? Live jive. Going Let's good, go. man. Great to see you. Uh, chatting about the card. Let us know if there are any fights that uh, surprised you or any favorites from this weekend. Talk some boxing. Covered a lot this hour, man. And home stretch. Good.
0: Home stretch coming into it here. Uh, speaking of home stretch, we got the main event of the evening. We got Alex Poetan Pareda. Pareda coming in against Jan Blackowicz. Legendary Polish power. Um, man, the legendary Polish power looked like maybe it had been diluted. Uh, someone poisoned the waterhole. I don't know what the fuck was happening. What is that guy Poetan's chin made of?
1: <laughs> Leather. Bamboo. <laughs> Built like an ox, man. That guy, he looked phenomenal. He was big in there. Um yeah. At times, you know, would would get hit or look to be wobbly, but he wore it just fine. I mean, he was staying in there. He was active with the leg kicks. He was active to the body, going upstairs, uh, and just accumulation of damage, right? Really won the fight for him. People were seemingly upset with the decision here. Jan certainly seemed upset. I don't know if it's just bad luck or maybe his kind of, I don't want to say boring fighting style, but to be honest, it's just not. It's just not exhilarating, right? I mean, I, I think he's, what, 40, 41 years old, maybe partially just as he gets older, it's hard, right? But when you think of the Polish power, you think of him knocking out Luke Rockhold crazily. Um, you think of him, you know, getting the, the championship belt, beating the crap out of Dominic Reyes, having some big fights. But yeah, this version of, of Jan just, yeah, wasn't there. You know, even even his last fight against Magomed, it was a draw, and it was the most lackluster draw, main event that we've seen in a while. So... <laughs> Hey, I mean, if you're going to lead somewhere, leading the guy that was busier on the feet that looked to be doing a little bit more damage there. Yeah, Jan did get three takedowns, but like you like to point out, it was three out of eight attempts. I mean, less than 50%. I mean, okay. I don't know. Again, I mean, I, I don't disagree with the decision. I, I thought Jan won. Again, this was during the Spence fight. I'm, I'm listening or I'm watching, but not listening. So I almost felt, oh, I thought Jan didn't have just because of the wrestling. I thought that was just what was going to give him the nod. But what were your thoughts on it?
0: Yeah, no, I thought it was a really close fight. Um, I thought the fight went similar to the way I thought it was going to go. Uh, The only thing that really surprised me was Alex Pereira's um, ability to overcome the grappling. After the first round, he came out very strong in the second round. I would say that most of those better grapple-heavy exchanges were landed in the first round for for Jan, which is what I predicted. I thought he'd come out wrestle-heavy in the beginning, which would be the opposite uh, kind of approach that he took in in the fight against uh, Adesanya. That being said, I thought that this was already confirmed to have been for the vacant title, so I was under the impression that this was going to be a five-round fight. Um, if this were a five-round fight, I truly think that Alex would have started to gas out a little bit more, and we probably could have seen a different outcome. Uh, because across a 15-minute fight, whether you like it or not, Jan Blackawakes had over five minutes of control time. That's over a whole round of top position control time over his opponent, which when there's less than 20 strikes of a differentiator in the actual fight, it's it's tough to say that it was a really easy decision to make as far as who won. Um, do I think it was a robbery? Do I think they made the wrong call? Not a chance. I did think that, that John lost that fight. I thought that Alex did it just enough to win. That being said, I don't know how he does against some of the other opposition there that aren't 40 years old. Um, like authentic Z said here in the chat, Jan gas at the end of the second, the guy's 40. We couldn't expect anything else. Still got mad love for him, though. Like, completely agree. And then to Eric's point, how strong is Izzy, though? Or is Alex just too depleted down there at 185? Yes, yes to both of your questions. Was he more depleted at 185? Yes, he shouldn't have been able to fucking cut that much weight and go down there. He's a way bully for that. But is Izzy super duper strong? Not a chance. Izzy is not a one punch power knockout guy. He is a precision knockout guy that sprinkles pepper on you until you're fucking cooked. And then once you're cooked, then he just stabs you with the fucking fork. And all it takes is one time after that, right? Because every single time before then, it's like he's just tapping you with the fork and you're like, oh, that can't penetrate my, my defenses. That can't penetrate my armor. I'm stronger than him. And then once he weakens your armor and chink, 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 just chinks it away, then he just fucking goes for the kill shot. That's the difference between him and Poetan. Powhatan can go for the kill shot 10 seconds into the fucking fight because he has that option. He has that nuclear option. But that being said, at 205, I think the nuclear option's gone for him. His power does not carry the same way that it does, and the speed that he carries at 185 has also gone down once going up to 205. He looked a hair slower in there. The power was not doing to Jan what it does to everybody else that he touched with it at 185. So that tells me he's going to have a hell of a time fighting these these kind of bigger grapple-heavy fighters. Like, Ankalyev is just going to bully him and take his fucking lunch money.
1: Oof. I mean, yeah, he, he definitely can play some bully ball with him and just not let him off the ground for 14 minutes and 59 seconds or 25 if it's a main card. Um, and I, if, if you're the UFC, you probably aren't matching him up there, right? After him him beating Jan, maybe just give him the nod automatically and maybe just go straight to a Yuri Brahovsk if he's healthy. That one on paper sounds fun. And Yuri isn't, some. he's more of a pepper, you know, pepper you, kill you with a thousand cuts versus you know, obviously the nuclear option like we're talking about here. Um, But he's also been rocked before and he's shared the octagon with the Glover Teixeira, so that would be a fun narrative. Um, And yeah, I mean, Alex, like you said, I mean, he's scary as all hell and one of the best fighters and definitely just a problem at 185 or 205 if he ends up staying here now um but i do think he beats most of these guys Uh, you know maybe manco may gives him some trouble or maybe jamal hill once he gets healthy but that injury is a big setback for him um yuri does have all the skills as well wouldn't be surprised if yuri puts him out
0: yeah i mean it is
1: it's different when you get to that level they're big they're talented and they're durable
0: yeah i mean that's that's the only Takes one hit there, it only takes one hit at 205, especially if you're just coming up from 185. Like, you're fighting much bigger guys. Uh, well, fuck, maybe, maybe not if you're Alex. Alex looked much bigger than Jan in that fight, which is insane.
1: Yeah, still um, gained 20 pounds in 24 hours, so he's he was big. big but Jan, boy. as well, those guys are big, po- those guys are big boys as well. Let's not get those are definitely big boys,
0: yeah. Um, so yeah, I think the next fight for him is definitely gonna end up being against a Yuri Prokoska. I wouldn't be mad at that. I think that that fight makes a lot of sense for him. Um, and then as far as Jan, like, I don't know if it's time to hang him up or not, but I also don't know that there's another title run in the works for him. This is the second time that he's been given the shot at a vacant UFC light heavyweight title. I mean, that's the thing. Like it's how many times are we going to give him a, a title shot when he has had lackluster performances and to Blackado's point, kind of a bad game plan. Um, Authentic Z, of course, is disagreeing here in the chat with the Black Hato saying that he doesn't think it was a bad game plan. He thinks he's just older and slowing down. I actually agree with Z. I think it was a solid game plan. Wrestling him in the beginning was the right play. I just think that, as you're saying, like once you hit that 40 year age mark and you're going to get someone that's much younger than you and Alex Potan, cardio is is going to play a factor. Strength is going to play a factor. Speed is going to play a factor. And those quick twitch muscles that you need to use for every single takedown they're going to start to burn out on you. And if they burn out on you and they're not burning out on your opponent, boy, you're in for a long night, really long night. Um, I I hope you're right, Blaccato. I hope Alex will be fine at 205. I know this was his first fight and he should look better in the future, but I just don't think that that one punch knockout power is going to be something that transfers all the way up into this weight class. Um, With that being said, we do have one more fight to talk about here. The real, real main event, folks. Let's go. Dustin, the Diamond Poirier, coming in against Justin, the Highlight Gaethje, for the BML Made Up Belt. Nano, what did you think of this fight, man?
1: Well, yeah, I'll lead us into this gracefully here and and, and softly because you know I know you're still recovering. I had the shirt, I had the hot sauce out, and uh, yeah, didn't end well for our boy Dustin, the Diamond Poirier. Um, yeah, at the end of the day, it was it was too bad, motherfuckers in there leaving it all out there, leaving their heart on their sleeve. And like we know in the game of fight, man, the, the reality is that the margin uh, between a victory and a loss is decimal points. It is fractions. It is razor thin. Um, and, and that's unfortunate what we saw. You know, we saw a really good exchange back and forth. We saw Dustin be able to get to his spots, really clean boxing from Dustin as always. And even in that final shot, if you take that frame of of Justin landing the lake uh, lake kick to finish Dustin, at the end of the day, I, I think of it, yeah, it perfectly landed. It is the foot ends up kind of wrapping behind the neck behind the head a little bit. I don't love that placement, but obviously that's how the kick is intended to go. And and Dustin perfectly shelled up, did exactly what you're supposed to do in that situation. Obviously, just couldn't get out of it in time. Um, and man, never seen Dustin you know go out like that. That was. Tough to see um, Herb Dean coming in with the sliding uh, tackle was, was fun and obviously thankful because um, he only had to take one hammershaw from a, the highlight, Justin Gaethje. And, yeah, man, he added another highlight. Dude's a savage. If it was interesting, again, he just looked so much bigger. I don't know if it, it, a part of it is just the maturity, like you mentioned, or just kind of filling himself out. Um, and then obviously just fighting smarter, man. He, he was tactical in there. Uh, even Dustin mentioned. I mean, he the setup was great, and you landed. I mean, hey, you can shoot a full court shot. Sometimes those buckets go in, and that not that this was a full court hail mary by Justin by any means. More just like a calculated free throw shot. Um, something they've obviously been drilling in, and man, heart goes out to Dustin. This one's huge. This one sucks. You know, like you mentioned, I started to catch a little bit of the interview with Hawani and you just feel you feel the pain in his voice you feel it in his in his words um Dustin's still one of the baddest fighters of all time and Justin calling Dustin his favorite fighter on planet earth huge nod and and that just goes to show how much fucking respect and how much class they have for each other um yeah i think we kind of know what's next honestly with Dustin it's it's tough to say we may not we may not see Dustin back I mean Justin said something similar as well. We What's next for your boy, brother? Talk to me, man. How you feeling? What are you thinking? What were your thoughts up until <sighs> that last kick there? I mean, man, lay it on me.
0: It was a great night up until that last kick landed, being completely honest with you. Um, let's let's uh let's see what the chat says here real quick. <sighs> Eric. Sorry, but how can it be for the BMF when uh they both lost to two champs? Moving on, gonna ignore that question. Um, Tico Tech <laughs> LLC, Dustin is washed. He needs to retire. Moving on from that question, Tico Tech. Ouch. Who the, who the fuck have you fought and won? Huh? <laughs> who the fuck are you? Um, the Blackado says I spent one hundred ninety-three dollars and sixty-three cents on the right man. That is a very weirdly specific number. Um, wow. But you know, glad to hear it. Tico Tech just threw in. Just kidding. I love Dustin. Just want to troll Olin. Well, it fucking worked, bro.
1: (laughs) You got him. You got him.
0: (laughs) You got me. Um, uh, Drew Toledo. Trevor Whitman channeling Justin's energy into controlled chaos is amazing. It's the best thing ever, dude.
1: Best thing Uh, ever.
0: Completely agree. I know what happened when Justin fought Khabib, but Islam is not Khabib, and who knows? You know, you're right, dude. Uh, Anybody has a puncher's chance against anybody, and nobody has a better puncher's chance then apparently people who um, look like rednecks and last names and an Austin talking about the <laughs> Dustin's and Justin's of the world, buddy. Um, so, I mean, like, let's just be completely real here, folks. This was a tough night at the office for your boy, especially since I am probably the biggest Dustin Poirier fan you'll ever meet. Let's go and throw on some sadder music here. Uh, I feel like, I feel like, you know, that music was just, there we go. <laughs> really just set the tone. Moment of silence for our guy Dustin. <sighs> but that moment of silence, I'm going to go ahead and quote the the late great Confucius. Okay, Confucius once said, our greatest glory is not in never falling, but in rising every time we fall. That's something that Dustin does better than any man alive, folks. Uh, Dustin Poirier said himself that adversity introduces a man to himself. Dustin Poirier is a man that's been introduced to himself a great number of times, folks. This is nothing new. You win in fighting and you lose in fighting. Most importantly, you learn in fighting. Um, He doesn't mind losing to somebody like Justin because Justin earned it. But at the same time, he minds losing to Justin because the night he lost to Khabib, he lost to a better fighter. When he lost to Justin, he lost to a fighter that just did better than him. A fighter that he knows he can beat and has beaten. He can come back, folks. He will come back. And he will make that sacrifice again. He will make that walk again. He will get it done. Again. Dustin Poirier is a diamond. And diamonds are forever. Um, so throw your diamonds in the sky if you feel my vibe, okay? Um, Dustin's going to come back, folks. It's not over. It's never over. He's going to make it. He's going to keep on keeping on. And uh, you can bet your ass that this won't be the last time we've seen the diamond ride. I think what ends up happening is this. Picture with me, if you will. Okay, folks. A bright future in which we finally get Nate Diaz versus Dustin Poirier. A fight that's been talked about for four years, five years. Nate has already said he wants to come back to the UFC and fight real fights that mean something, getting him towards the belt. On Saturday, he fights Jake Paul in a boxing ring. The square ring. The square circle. I think win, lose, or draw, he comes back to the UFC chirping for a fight with a contender like Dustin Poirier. And that's a hell of a bounce-back fight for Dustin Poirier that builds name value. And whether Nate's a contender or not, Nate's name will always carry a lot of weight and will pole vault you back into a number one contender shot the very least
1: I love that I love that I'd I'd pay to see it I'd pay to see that one fun boxing match um yeah and it's a big name Dustin obviously needs to be in there against marquee guys um I don't know if we're ever gonna see Connor back in there so he's probably out of it by default and if if we're being honest anybody that's ranked below him I don't think that's anybody that excites him or like Dustin said hey is this guy gonna give me those butterflies is it a, a exciting challenge that you know, he's going to keep me up at night. And there's a lot of bad mofos, not saying that, not to uh, discredit the, the guys there in the top 15. But uh, Justin Gaethje is, you know, just there's not a lot of those guys, right? Maybe he'd want to try to avenge his, uh, himself against a Charles Oliveira if he could get that one back, or Islam, obviously, um, or Gaethje. I mean, if he ends up getting the title, I mean, he is still on that short list of top contenders. So, yeah, maybe a sit back and, and, you know, reflect. Can imagine?
0: Could you imagine Justin Gaethje knocks out Islam Makhachev, gets the lightweight belt, unifies the BMF belt and the lightweight championship belt, and then Dustin Poirier gets a rematch with him and finally wins the actual UFC belt?
1: Both. That'd be fucking sick.
0: And then retires, just fucking sails off into the sunset.
1: I'd love to I'll see th- him try th- to that. But day. I'll cancel that'd be the sick.
0: podcast and I'll just I'll just be a happy guy.
1: Oh yeah, brother. We'll be at that pod. <laughs> we'll be at that we'll be at that uh at that event. But yeah, that <laughs> that would be worth retiring on. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, hey, anything can happen, brother. And he's right there. Right? I think he's what thirty four years old. So hopefully, we can still get a few more years of Dustin. Does look good, and there are some young guys chomping at the bit, man. So we'll see the windows now, though. It's, that was a that was a tough one, minor setback, but hey, major comeback on the way. Loading up,
0: major comeback, major major key alert. As uh, as uh, what's that guy's name? DJ Khaled says the the biggest failure on hot ones. Um, so folks, this is going to be the new structure. I think, I think we're going to do Mondays and Thursdays. We're going to do Monday nights to go over what we saw on Saturday night. And then we're going to use Thursday nights to talk about what we saw on Tuesday night on tough, as well as what we're planning on seeing on the following Saturday night. Um, definitely let us know on Twitter, on here, et cetera. If you like the new, the new kind of flow Mondays and Thursdays. Um, if there's another day that you think would work better, please leave it in our suggestions box, which is non-existent. Um, AKA just send me a fucking DM on literally any any social media outlet, and I will take that into consideration. But next weekend, we actually have a pretty solid card, guys. We got Corey the Sandman Sandhagen finally fighting Rob Font, one that I feel like has been pushed back a number of times, but I'm actually more excited about the co-main event this weekend, dude. We got Jessica Andrade, a little pit bull, coming in against Tatiana Suarez, which will arguably Ooh. be Tatiana's biggest test. Since joining the
1: UFC. Oh, big facts. Big facts. That's our girl. Pitbull andraj Come on now. Also a lot, of, yeah, excited also this a lot of really,
0: really good bets, too. There's a lot of fun betting lines, in my opinion. Um, some there that we can go. possibly take advantage of. I'm looking at that Jake Hadley versus Cody Durden one. It's already moved 50 points in the last two days.
1: Oh, shoot. Good. There's eye. reasons. There's, there's reasons. There's, there's um, reasons. Come on. Um,
0: we'll, we'll be talking about that off air for sure. And setting up our picks. Um, Sounds so, yeah. good. There's there's a there's a few of them. The Damon Jackson fight against Billy Cortillo. Also, I feel like sneaky good fight. Absolutely. Even sneakier, good odds. Um Blackado is saying in the chat here, he thinks Dustin retires if he doesn't see a real route to the title. He gives him two years. I agree. If there's no real route to the title in the Thanks. next year and a half, he retires. Uh it, it's just it's what he wants, right? Like he doesn't want to be a fake fighter or just a fun fighter. He wants to be here for a reason. Tico Tech jumping on the bandwagon. Love to hear it. This next card is looking good, as he says. Lots of sleepers. I completely agree. Billy Q versus Damon Jackson. That's my early call for sleeper of the night. I also think Kyler Phillips versus Howney Barcelos has fireworks written all the fuck over it. Dustin Jacoby against Kennedy and Chekwu. Come on. Someone's literally going to go to sleep in that fight. I think that's just a given. Um, We got Diego Lopez coming in against Gavin Tucker. But you know all of us who know who fucking Diego Lopez is. All going to be here on Saturday night saying, Where are you? Oh, I'm um, so sorry. I cannot sleep. I cannot <laughs> dream tonight. Um, Diego Lopez, if you don't know who that is, seriously.
1: Best hairstyle dude, in the UFC. Dude literally
0: looks just like the dude from Blake 182. Talking about, uh, what is his name? Tom Belange. Uh, Something like yeah, that. Dude, honestly, sleeper, sleeper fight card. Uh, Ignacio coming in against Ludovic Klein. I I would have liked to have originally seen the Corey Sandhagen versus Marina Margamedo fight, but Corey versus Rob Font. I'm not mad at at all. I think there's a fucking a number one contender that emerges from that fight, possibly depending on what it looks like. Um, And then obviously if Tatiana Suarez does the thing here, you got to give this chick at least a number one contender shot. I I view this as a number one contender shot though myself.
1: A lot, a lot on the line on this one. I'm excited to break it down with you, brother.
0: Absolutely. And then, of course, we have another banger of a fight coming in on Tuesday, which is fucking just tomorrow. This week is already flying by on The Ultimate Fighter. We're going to be covering that on Thursday's episode as well. So uh, whether you're new here, old here, returning, whatever the case may be, if you're on YouTube, if you're on Twitch, make sure you like, comment, subscribe, smash that bell for notifications. And uh, if you're listening to us on the podcast networks that you choose instead, I know you can't subscribe and smash bells for that one, but please make sure you review the podcast. Give us five stars. And if you don't give us five stars, tell us how to get five stars next time, folks. That's what we're doing this for. We're doing this for you guys. And yeah, I can't wait for tough Katona, baby. Um, I know you're hyped up. This is fucking McGregor's best chance to win and somehow do the best comeback in history because you know, Katona's the best chance at beating uh, Timor Valev. And if he does, he's going to win the season.
1: That's a, really, that's a really good chance, man. But like I said, he's got to get through. A tough test uh, this upcoming Tuesday, man. Excited to see. Let's go.
0: Yes, he does. And I, for one, am here for it. I can't fucking wait. Again, as usual, thank you guys for joining. Can't wait to see you guys come in again on Thursday. And make sure if you join on Thursday, can't wait to hear your picks for the fights. Uh, we'll be doing a little bet versus bet action. Me and Nano and... uh Look forward to hearing you guys either break apart our picks or tell us how fucking awesome they are. Either way, we will see you then. And until then, keep the passion for mixed martial arts alive, folks. We fucking love you guys.